the world's most exciting podcast, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. I'm Michael Savage, host of the Savage Nation podcast, home of borders, language, and culture. Hear my new podcast each week as I speak with top guests from around the world. Right now, we have over 700 shows in our library featuring interviews with world leaders, scientists, faith teachers, and more, including President Donald Trump, Prime Minister of Israel Ehud Barak, Edward Teller, the father of the hydrogen bomb, Jerry Falwell, and so much more conversations and commentary you cannot find anywhere else. Other guests have included Samuel Cohen, the father of the neutron bomb, Breitbart's Alex Marlowe, the great author Peter Schweitzer, Colonel Douglas McGregor. Be here or be nowhere. The Savage Nation podcast. Catch the Michael Savage podcast on all podcast platforms every Tuesday and every Friday. All right, all right. You know why people hate D.C.? It's the land of make-believe. I'm telling you. This is the place that called Trump racist for trying to build a wall to protect our southern border. Meanwhile, did you know the Biden administration right now, right now, is in talks with the government of Tajikistan to help them build a wall in Afghanistan? <laughs> it's almost like, my God, there's, there's a refugee crisis unfolding in Afghanistan. Let's build a wall to keep them out of our neighboring country. I guess walls work there. Can't do that here in America, though. But we can help another nation do it on the other side of the planet. <laughs> I mean, seriously, this is the resolve of the brainchild we call D.C., I spent a year in this cesspool. Everyone walks around with a self-important attitude, but nothing actually gets done. It's, it's amazing. Now, in D.C., knowing people is the name of the game. Name-dropping makes you cool. That's the measure of success. Who can you call that'll do you a favor? Every night's an event or a party or a get-together, but it's never about just having a good time. It's always about a network of who can get what from who. Not like you and I. Hey, Bob, you want to come over for a barbecue? Sure. Yeah, cool. All right. And then we hang out and we have a beer. We don't ask each other for anything. But not in D.C. It's always an angle to get something from someone. How can they leverage your connections to elevate themselves? The longer you're there, the more people you owe. Just like Joe Biden, his half-century stint in Congress. But we'll get there in a minute. When I was in the Trump administration, all the people that worked for me were always running around talking about how much they were doing. But they didn't actually seem like they ever had any measurable delivery on all their frantic assertions. I, and I learned this really quickly. In D.C., action constitutes achievement in their eyes, not actual achievement, just like Con John Kirby said recently. We continue to make progress every day in getting uh, Americans, as well as uh, SIV uh, applicants and vulnerable Afghans, out. I, I think the president has been very clear that uh, what our expectations are um, once this retrograde is complete with respect to the safety and security uh, of American citizens. I mean, I think we've been very clear about that. We're going to continue to pursue uh, a, a variety of means to help those Americans who want to get out after we are gone. We're working on it. We're trying. We're doing this. Check out these shiny numbers. Doesn't matter, bro. The, the deliverable is every American out. Stop giving us statistics on planes, is the ball in the end zone or isn't it? They don't see it like that in D.C. 
Very few people actually really honestly do any work there. One, I mean, there is quite frankly no need to do a, a, a you know, a, to show any measurable of deliverable because the federal bureaucracy is not a meritocracy. If you've survived there for more than 90 seconds, you know this. In fact, this is the crazy thing. Trying to make changes for better or for worse is actually a detriment to your career. So people just go along to get along to protect their job. Trump was really actually the first dude who ever came in there with his game face on. He was like, I'm here to get stuff done. He was the first guy that really applied free market principles to the government. I mean, at, at least in a long time. And it worked. Look, the Beltway hated him for this because it made people do their job. But the economy boomed, not because of anything he did for the economy, but by doing things that kept the government out of the way of the economy. I mean, it's shocking. I mean, it shouldn't be, but it is. You see, the government doesn't create anything. Everything they create must be confiscated from you and I via taxes and regulation. And to, I mean, to be fair, there's one slight exception to this. The Department of Interior does lease out land for various reasons that garner some income. But the administration, th this administration particularly, has royally screwed that up. They, again, they are technically leasing taxpayer-owned public lands to private companies that actually generate products. So they're still technically taking it away from the economy, but whatevs. But given all that, this is probably why the government's recent jobs report was so off. I mean, we were talking, this is biblically off. The economy added only 23,000 jobs last month. Or, sorry, 235,000 jobs last month. But you notice how Republicans always say the economy added versus people like Joe Biden who always say, we created or I created. We created in the first 100 days 1,300,000 new jobs. 1,300,000 jobs in 100 days. That's more new jobs in the first 100 days of any president in history. This morning, we've learned that our economy created 900,000 jobs in March. It means the first two months of our administration has seen more new jobs created than the first two months in any administration in history. These people just don't get it. I mean, there's a huge distinction here. And it all shows their lack of understanding of how the economy actually works. And that distinction is why this number was way off their projections of 720,000. There's a couple factors here. Now, first, from the New York Post, the U.S. added just 200, uh, 235,000 jobs last month, falling way short of expectations amid of fresh concerns over the pace of the labor's market recovery due to surging COVID-19 cases driven by the Delta variant, the Fed said Friday. No. Wrong. This is not why people aren't going back to work. People aren't going back to work because they're still receiving extra unemployment benefits. It turns out, weird, I know, that if you pay people not to work, they don't work. Crazy. The entry-level jobs that nearly every business is trying to hire for right now actually pays around the same as those unemployment benefits are paying right now. So why would you work when you can stay home and make the same amount of money? I mean, the people running our country are imbeciles, I swear. Second... When you shut down the economy for almost two years, which we did, a lot of the jobs that were you know, above the entry-level pay raises vanished. And they're not, they're not coming back until these idiot governors stop putting crazy restrictions on how many people you can have in your establishment, this masking thing, even this vaccine mandates like we have in, in the cesspool of New York City. Third, 
the rising cost of goods stops growth. Let me say that again. The rising, stop, the rising cost of goods stops growth, even more so when you have people in charge like the Democrats that have been saying for the last decade they want the rich to start paying, their, paying more in taxes or paying their fair share or whatever they say. They stop, these rich people, they stop investing in the economy until they know how their investments will be taxed. That's why they're rich, because they're, they're smart about how they spend their money. This causes the economy to contract. You and I know this, but for some reason, the people in D.C. with all the experience, they can't figure this out. I don't know why. Trump was the first guy who really put this into perspe in perspective for us. This type of disconnected policy, just it goes far beyond the economy, too. I, I know we keep bringing this up, but let's look at Afghanistan, because I'm not going to let this story go. I don't think there was a single person on the ground, and I mean fight in the fight that dealt with the war on the day-to-day -day basis, that didn't say leaving the way we would would completely implode. Okay, but the same overloads or overlords that you and I you know, are just ridiculed by that I told you about, they disagreed. And here we are. The blood of those patriots is on their hands because they didn't listen. This, just like the economy, illustrates the growing divide between those who enforce foreign policy and those who dream it up in some beltway poker bar. Now, you see, if there is no deliverable metric, case in point, Who's been fired over the Afghanistan disaster? No one. Who's been fired for wrongly predicting the jobs numbers by over 200%? No one. If you and I did that in the private sector, gone. That's our government. And that's why people like you and I hate it so much. Because the thing that makes me so angry is that they think we're stupid. And they just lie to us and expect us to believe them. And when we challenge them, they double down. They call us tinfoil hat-wearing people or, or deplorables. But Biden is known for basically just lying to us. Watch. And anyway, and if we I don't do drive an 18-wheeler, man. Yeah. Oh, I wish oh, I yeah. <laughs> That's I awesome. got to. <laughs> uh, how about this oldie but a goodie right here? What law school did you attend, and where did you place in that class? And the other question is, could you quickly... I, I think, we I, I think I probably have a much higher IQ than you do, I suspect. <laughs> I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my, in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. In the first year in law school, I decided I didn't want to be in law school and ended up in the bottom two-thirds of my class and then decided I wanted to stay, went back to law school, and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. I won the international moot court competition. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits, only needed 123 credits, and I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like, Frank. Well, I've always learned that people who are smarter than people don't talk about their education and how much smarter they are than people. They just go out and be smarter. I mean, and 50% of that was proven false. This is not stuff that you just can't easily Google. I mean, but by far the most shocking of all is when Joe Biden spoke to the president of Afghanistan and asked him to lie on the world stage to progress a potentially, you know, a, 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 I guess progress a narrative that was patently false. Now, asking President Ghani to tell the world that the reality of the Taliban takeover was not real should be a fireable offense, right? If Joe Biden worked for the private sector and he was found to have asked the CEO of another company to lie about, I don't know, financial records, he'd go to prison. They impeached Trump for far less. We only somewhat know what Biden said. I 
I need not tell you the perception that things aren't going well in terms of the fight against the Taliban. There's a need, whether it's true or not, there is a need to project a different picture. And this is Ghani's response. Mr. President, we are facing a full-scale invasion composed of Taliban, full Pakistani planning and logistical support, and at least 10 to 15,000 international terrorists, predominantly Pakistanis, thrown into this. Uh, the president of Afghanistan told the president of the United States straight up, we're dying here and Pakistan's working against us. Joe Biden didn't say, you've got to be kidding me, man, or come on, man. He should have said, I'm calling the prime minister of Pakistan right now. We're doubling down on our air support to the Afghan army. Nope. What the leader of the free world do? He told the Afghan president to lie to the world. Trump was impeached for asking a foreign government to investigate a corruption problem in their own ranks. We need the full transcript of Joe Biden's call to the Afghan president. We also need to hear the audio of this call. Did Biden offer anything to the Afghan president in return for lying to the world? What else was said on this call? Just a few weeks, I mean, this happened just a few weeks before the Taliban took over the entire country in a, in a matter of hours. 13 U.S. soldiers died as a result of Joe Biden supposedly not knowing the Taliban would take over so quickly. The American people have a right to know if the president of the United States lied to them. If they lied to the families of those soldiers, they have a right to know if the president of the United States was lying to all of us. Release the full transcript now, Lion Joe. All right, well, I'm not the only one saying this. Congressman Claudia Tenney is also demanding the full transcript of the release, and we're not, we don't know for sure, but I bet Congressman Ronnie Jackson wants to see it also. Morning to, or evening to both of you. I appreciate you being here. So, uh, Congresswoman Kenny, I, I, I got to ask, you've been calling for this, uh, for this transcript for quite some time now, and they're not giving it to you. No, they're not. And uh, we would like to see it. Obviously, you did a great job in your monologue describing that Donald Trump was impeached for less and actually on a corruption charge, interestingly, that ultimately had something to do with our former vice president and his son. And now we have a situation <laughs> where American servicemen and women were killed because of this absolutely outrageous and disgraceful dereliction of duty by Joe Biden in the, in the policy and this evacuation of Afghanistan, a total surrender. Uh, this is unacceptable. I don't know why they're not producing the transcript. Jen Psaki, you know, demanded that Donald Trump turn over the, the transcript when she was on the other side and uh, when Donald Trump was president. So, yep. you know, this is something we have to see so we can start impeachment proceedings. We need to look into this. And I'm demanding that Nancy Pelosi bring those. I know that it's not going to be likely a, a Republican's going to have to do this, but she's third in line to the president. And I mm. think it's up to her to stand up and, and hold him accountable. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and because the Internet is forever, I mean, Jen Psaki did tweet out a while ago, three years ago, when the, uh, that, that call happened between uh, the, the Ukrainian president and, the, uh, and, and President Trump, that they actually had, um, you know, that they, they had, she called for the full transcript, she called for all the audio, she called for the, the whistleblower, everything. Here, we have it right here. It's not just the call transcript. The whistleblower complaint would likely have more details. We need both and not just the call. My, 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 how the times have turned, Mr. Jackson. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you, Carl. Hey, I'd like to start by thanking Representative Tenney. She has been tireless in her efforts to help us get our American citizens out of this country. She is doing exactly, exactly what every member of Congress should be doing. She and I have been working extremely hard. This is not going to be the first nor the last lie that we've heard from the Biden administration. This entire thing is just a web of lies. We're working today. We still 
both of us, we still have people over there. I have American citizens, citizens, uh, at least seven of them, probably more from my district right now that are trapped over there right now that cannot get out. And you know what we were told? We were told today, I was told that the State Department, I have some of them, and I won't say where because I don't put any in danger, but I have some that are already at airports. They've already been manifested on flights. The yeah. planes are there. Everything is ready to go. They can't get out. And the reason they can't get out is because the Taliban won't release the flight until September the 9th because they want to be recognized as, a, as an official government. They want to be officially recognized as a legitimate government before then. And I guarantee you, yeah. these hostages we have, they're hostages right now being held until the American, until the United States, until the Biden administration recognizes the Taliban as a government. You just yep. mark my word, that's coming. Well, we all, I mean, we all said that. Congressman Tenney, we, we have Jen Psaki the other day went into full spin mode trying to clean up this mess. Listen to what she said. Discuss plans to project that Afghan forces were still in control. Can, is that accurate? Can you tell us a little bit more about that call? Well, I'm not going to get into private diplomatic conversations or leaked transcripts of phone calls. Oh, well, Congresswoman, she's not going to get into private conversations or leaked diplomatic cables or anything like that. What do you say? Well, first, let me thank Ronnie Jackson. Uh, he's been tremendous, uh, amazing member of Congress, uh, service served in the in the Trump administration and the he's Obama He's all right. We like him a little bit. Yeah, great guy. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, we have been working, and it's tragic, the stories that we're getting, just trying to get American citizens and some of our, our, our key allies out of there and, and great Afghan uh, interpreters and people who are literally, like, fearing for their lives, holed up in, in uh, apartments with no access to food or getting out of their apartments, right. even getting off uh, out of the planes. But let me say this. She's talking about a confidential relationship and uh -huh. in, a, in a national security interest with a foreign president when there is actually uh, a statute that was signed into law that requires that the State Department and the president come to our committees, the Foreign Affairs Committee, the Intel Committee, hmm. and, uh, and, and reveal to us when they're going to do a drawdown of troops in specifically Afghanistan. They waive that obligation based on national security interests. So it's more important to have a conversation with a, an Afghan leader than it is with, the, with Congress. And they, we are the ones responsible for oversight. Yeah. So this is also, you know, potentially an impeachable offense relating to that call as well. Yeah. Well, Congressman Jackson, your colleague, Oklahoma Congressman Mark Wayne Mullen, that we love this guy. He's awesome. Uh, he traveled all the way to Tajikistan to help rescue some people. This guy is like a, a modern congressional <laughs> Rambo. Uh, tell us a little bit about him. He's a fantastic guy. He's a real patriot. I talked to him uh, when he was on his way back. I talked to him actually a few times while he was mm -hmm. over there. And I, it, it, he'll tell you when you talk to him, he'll tell you. The one thing he brought back from this is he's never, ever been more ashamed of his own government in the way this has been handled. We have left American citizens to fend for themselves among a bunch of murderous terrorists. Mm -hmm. And things are not going to go well. There's some of these people, yeah. if we don't get them out of there ASAP, they are going to die because of this. And Mark Wayne was over there. He saw it firsthand, and he experienced the frustration firsthand. Yeah. And, uh, but he's a real patriot for going over there and trying to make a difference. Uh, you know, we give him all the credit in the world. Congressman Ronnie Jackson of Texas and Congresswoman Claudia Tenney of New York, thank you very much both. Thank you. All right, coming up, thank you, Carl. the guy known as the MAGA shaman pleaded guilty today. We're talking to his attorney after the break.
Hi, Rob Carson here. If you love watching Newsmax, you're really going to love listening to our new podcast. It's called the Newsmax Daily. I host it, and I give you the best briefing of the big news of the day, top newsmaker interviews, and even, yes, a few laughs. I know it's hard to believe. So if you're uh, driving, walking, exercising, just about anywhere, you can connect with the Newsmax Daily with me, Rob Carson. Find our podcast online or go to iPhone, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher, and more, and start listening today. All right, so the single most recognizable figure connected to the January 6th ordeal has taken a plea deal. Jacob Chansley, known on this show as the Horns Guy or the MAGA Shaman. You may know him better by that name, actually. He's sitting in jail right now. He's in solitary confinement for the better part of the last nine months. But his ordeal didn't end today. His attorney, Albert Watkins, Mr. Watkins, is joining us now. We appreciate you being here, sir. Uh, Albert, he's facing, he's facing up to 20 years in prison at, you know, the, at the sentencing, but probably, probably won't get that much. But what changed to make him plea, and what are you expecting at this sentencing? Uh, what changed was my client is a man with mental health issues. It took five and a half to six months to put the government, the Department of Justice, the courts, in a position of knowledge about my client's long-standing, pre-existing mental health issues, which interestingly were known to the government since 2006, when my client served on the USS Kitty Hawk. And it is just outrageous that it took, it took that long the government to finally acknowledge that my client was not only possessed of mental health issues, but also, tragically, it took that long for the government to acknowledge that my client was not a planner, he was not an organizer, he was not violent, he was not destructive, he was not a thief. In fact, he helped law enforcement when in the Capitol. So, so that being said, he did the wrong thing. He did the wrong thing at the wrong time, the wrong place. He knows it. He wants to be accountable for it. He wrote a note to the president, which was not, it wasn't a friendly note. It was a note that clearly was not designed to be embracing of the integrity of what was going on. But at the same time, he truly felt that he was acting at the behest of his president. And he wanted to do so to help. I want to wait, 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 hold on. You're, talk, you're talking about President Trump, that he was acting at yeah. the behest of Trump. And, and, and like what in the world would give you an idea that this guy was acting at the behest of Tr President Trump? So we're not talking about a man who is inside the bell curve of mental health normalcy. Mm -hmm. We're talking about a man who's vulnerable. So when he says that he felt he was helping President Trump this is a man with special needs. This is a man who truly has not an evil or mean bone in his body. Yeah. But, but this is a man that our nation, yeah. our Bureau of Prisons, could not, could not accommodate. They aren't armed to deal with people who are pure of heart, but just plain possessed of issues that are okay. Of a fair, health fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So, so you you're asserting that your your client is is has made some ill-fated decisions based on some decapitated mental capacity or, or reasoning right. skills. So, do you believe the punishment will fit the crime here? I mean, isn't nine months in solitary confinement kind of enough for a guy who just 
threw some horns on and was walking around didn't actually hurt anyone? Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, he's been put through pure torture. You ask any mental health care expert, what's the worst thing you can do with somebody in a health mm-hmm. mental health crisis like he's been addressing? You put him in solitary Locking confinement. And, and and that is pure torture. This is not a day in jail with, yeah. a, with a general community. This is a guy who is literally falling yeah. into the abyss before my very eyes. Well, well sir, I want to get the other thing. So the millions of people at this point, I mean, this is a very divided belief system on this, but they also believe that there's a two-tier justice system where Kamala Harris, I mean, look, she raised funds openly to bail out looters and rioters from the BLM protesters that burned down like billions of dollars of, of cities last month, sometimes even got police officers killed. Two New York attorneys were released from jail and have yet to be disbarred after allegedly firebombing an NYPD vehicle. Now, a bunch of knuckleheads who wandered around, that's what they were. A lot of these guys did some pretty stupid stuff to break into the Capitol. They've been in solitary confinement for nine months now, and the justice system is is just kind of washing them over. It's taken this long to even get evaluated for for what you say is the needed mental health evaluation. Carl, you are spot on. The problem is we have a federal court system. We have multiple state court systems. Yep. We have people that seem to think it's okay for some to loot, rob, burn, destroy, and, you know, have a nice day. Let me shake your hand. Let me give you some right. spare cash. See you later. But, so help me God, if you are a mentally yep. challenged person who is simply there to be supportive, you know, all of a sudden he's entitled to a gulag-like treatment in solitary. We're going to see. Is this going to be sentenced as time served? Albert Watkins, thank you very much. Thank you, Carl. All right. Is asking for the president of a foreign country to lie an impeachable offense? Well, we're going to get you in a sec. This country was made by tax rebels, freedom fighters, gold seekers, believers, lovers, and true patriots. We're Newsmax, and we're their heirs, and so are you. Newsmax TV, real news for real people. What is the standard for impeaching a president? The Democrats rewrote the rules for Trump. They left the bar literally on the floor. So if we're playing by their rules... This should be impeachable from where I'm standing, right? I mean, you would think. Joe Biden on a phone call with Afghan President Ghani. I need not tell you the perception that things aren't going well in terms of the fight against the Taliban. And there's a need, whether it's true or not, there is a need to project a different picture. The president of the United States telling a foreign country to lie to the world. Well... Lawyer and conservative activist Rogan D.C. Drano O'Hanley, aside from having a Ph.D. and owning the libs, you're also an attorney. So what do you think about this uh, this call now that the Democrats have kind of set the bar? What's your take on it? Yeah, well, an important concept in the law is legal precedent in terms of what was used in prior cases that can be applied to the facts today. And, you know, based on what the Democrats did to President Trump, Uh, when they impeached him over a phone call to Ukraine, which was, in my opinion, far less severe than what Joe Biden did in his call. In the Ukraine call, uh, President Trump simply wanted uh, the Ukrainian president to look into the corruption with Hunter Biden, just an investigation. Joe Biden wanted an entirely different narrative on how the Afghanistan war was going, which ultimately led to a hasty withdrawal hundreds of deaths, including 13 of our troops. So if uh, President Trump's 
first phone call to Ukraine was impeachable, then this one certainly is with Joe Biden. Yeah, and the other thing that's crazy to me is I w we want the full transcript here. I mean, we've been calling for it all, all night. I need to know what was in that call because did Biden ask or offer, offer anything in exchange for this, you know, that quid pro quo thing? In a new op-ed from the New York Post, Miranda Devine broke it down for us. She said Joe Biden's call to Afghan president is impeachable. And the op-ed goes, you know, she goes on to explain how Biden was trying to persuade President Ghani to go along with the narrative. Now, Biden, it says, quote, Biden offered conditional air support in return for Ghani going along with his ruse, but only until uh, his August 31st deadline. After that, who knows? Now, Ghani could see the writing on the wall and fled Kabul three weeks later. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Rogan. This could be construed as pretty darn corrupt. Absolutely. And if Joe Biden had prior knowledge of how bad the situation was deteriorating in Afghanistan, he still left all of our equipment. He basically equipped an entire nation's army that has now been handed over to our mortal enemies, the Taliban, Iran, potentially even others in the area. So he had foresight to know that helicopters, planes, missiles, like tens of thousands of machine guns were going to be handed to a, a regime that harbored terrorists that struck us on 9-11. So yeah. what he knew is really important. There certainly needs to be an investigation. Uh, and again, looking at the precedent on what they impeached President Trump on, this certainly uh, exceeds that baseline criteria. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, asking the Afghan president to lie is, is, is I mean, it's bad, but Biden didn't stop there. He said multiple times to the American people, though, that no one expected this. I mean, like he, he just lied to all of our faces. And, and now he's trying to blame the Afghan government. Look, listen to this. The idea that the Taliban would take over was premised on the notion that the uh, somehow the 300,000 troops we had trained and equipped was going to just collapse. They were going to give up. I don't think anybody anticipated that. The consensus was that it was highly unlikely that in 11 days they'd collapse and fall and the leader of Afghanistan would flee the country. The truth is, this did unfold more quickly than we had anticipated. So what's happened? Afghanistan political leaders gave up and fled the country. So, Rogan, those, all those speeches from Joe Biden were given on August 16th, 19th, and 20th, over a month after this phone call happened with Ghani, where they knew this was going to fall apart. I mean, at the very least, should he just own this publicly? Absolutely. And I think he's probably very upset that this transcript was even leaked. That's how bad this whole situation has gotten, is that you have members of his own government uh, leaking things to the press so that they're not held accountable and they're basically trying to show that Joe Biden had prior knowledge of how bad things were. Again, he equipped the Taliban, which harbored Osama bin Laden and hit us on 9-11. And we also lost 13 troops mm -hmm. and dozens of others were injured. And there is stories showing that maybe they had the potential to take out that suicide bomber before he acted and killed our brave men and women in yeah. uniform. So uh, there is a lot here. Again, the political... Uh, dynamic in terms of Democrats controlling the House and the Senate right now does not lend to uh, an immediate impeachment. But I'm sure this is just going to be the first of many things uh, to be looked at when Republicans do regain control. Yeah, well, Rogan O'Hanley, the only thing greater than your Instagram account is your beard. We appreciate you joining us tonight. <laughs> Thanks, Carl. <laughs> All right.
Guess who's cozying up to the Taliban right now? Well, we'll tell you why China has some ulterior motives next. If you've had it with the old news and the same spent, well, then Spicer and Company's your place for the inside story and for the facts that you need to know. Well, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Bring back manly men. America is facing a masculinity problem for sure. And our enemies are noticing our youth is more worried about the correct pronouns they use to define whatever part of the LGBTQ P group is most outraged than they are with being able to hunt fish or even do a push-up. Now, it's being pushed on the youth of our country through Hollywood. Case in point, this video released by the White House detailing a day in the life of an intern there. Hi, my name is Cooper, and this is a day in my life as a White House intern. We did it, Joe. Jenny, I booked you a nail appointment, love. Yeah, I didn't tell you to do that. It's called initiative. <laughs> Hi, White House, this is Cooper. Mm, I don't think so. No words. No words. But you know who's taking steps to ensure that their men are strong and powerful? China. They're not messing around. China has just banned what they call sissy men from appearing on television, a clear-cut crackdown on the LGBTQ community there. And they're taking it a step further. They're even recently banning kids from playing video games during the week, limiting their young people to one hour a week on weekends only, and this uh, is amid strengthening their youth. While younger generations' minds manipulated by TikTok and Fortnite here, which are Chinese-owned, by the way, Craig Shirley, presidential historian and Newsmax analyst, also Doug Weed, former advisor to the president George H.W. Bush and presidential historian. Welcome to both of you. Uh, Doug, this is one of these things like China is basically laughing at us and they're going to they're throwing it right back at and saying we're not going to we're not going to let our kids grow up to be people like this. No, <laughs> And they've outlawed uh, steam. So you can't play civilization five or civilization six. It's very interesting. You know, uh, Biden should have embraced the theme, make China great again, because policy after policy favors China. It's embarrassing because his family has earned so much money from China. But now the abandonment of Afghanistan and all of that mineral wealth, the lithium, the gold, the silver, the uranium used for nuclear weapons, the aluminum needed to make airplanes. Mm -hmm. These are strategic minerals that China needs. And so it's more than just uh, helicopters right. and guns that uh, were abandoned in Afghanistan. Yes. Yeah. And Craig, the thing is, we've seen here, we've seen like the CIA commercial, we've seen the military commercial, it's all about inclusiveness and gender and stuff like that. Yes. No, no. The military is about killing bad guys. And the, the yes. Russia has gotten and, and it. Things. Yeah. China's gotten it. What do you say about it? Well, first of all, I would say that young man uh, needs to get a haircut and a comb. Uh, that's the first thing. Secondly, is is that I, I, I'm at the awkward position that I oppose both sides. I oppose China uh, mandating these laws to make to make macho men, and I oppose the celebration of, uh, of of feminine men in our culture. I think that we ought to be we ought to in our culture go back to the way we used to be, which was to celebrate. You know, uh, masculine men, men who are supposed to be men, right. you know, whether it was John Wayne or whether it was, uh, you know, uh, Kevin Cosner or something is that they set examples 
for our children, just as we set examples for our children. And I think it's very, very unfortunate what we're doing with the next generation. You know, what if we come into a war? What are they going to do? Throw spitballs at the at the opponents? You know, while they're uh, while they get guns and bayonets. The yeah. other thing too is I want to say one thing, Carl. I think it's very, you know, uh, this goes to history. It, when we when when countries have lost wars, one of the first things they did was destroy any any. Uh, equipment left behind so that the enemy couldn't use it. Why didn't we destroy the helicopters and guns and uh, the uniforms and everything else that was left behind in Afghanistan yeah. so yeah. the Taliban couldn't couldn't use it? It seems like a very foolish uh, mistake on the part of our military and the part of uh, Joe yeah. Biden and his administration. It poorly planned, poorly executed. Well, a Taliban spokesman recently came out and said that China will be the Taliban's regime's main and most important partner on the world yes. stage now. Now, Doug, how alarming is this? They're going to have access to all the rare earth minerals we were just talking about. This is real bad. Yes. Yeah, yeah. This uh, gives China quite an edge. And what's troubling is this will chain react. We already have NATO now meeting behind our backs. You remember how the media attacked Donald Trump, said he had destroyed NATO, our oldest, most endearing treaty. Actually, he blew it up and rebuilt it stronger than ever with $140 billion raised to make it strong. Mm -hmm. And Joe Biden has uh, uh, abandoned Afghanistan without... <laughs> Without telling NATO, it's it's uh, painful and it's right. embarrassing, and Biden yeah. doesn't seem to care. He doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> but Craig, Kyle, I'll just message one thing. My father-in-law was a world-renowned metallurgist. He had done survey research in Afghanistan and Pakistan and that whole region of the world. Mm. And he, he said that the, uh, the, the, the precious metals there, it is just rich beyond belief. And this right. is a very, right. very bad situation for the United States uh, and very good for uh, communist China. Yeah, especially considering that the world now wants to go greener than ever. And we just gave them a trillion dollar of lithium de deposits. Doug Weed, <laughs> Craig right. Shirley, we appreciate you joining us this evening. <laughs> You bet, Carl. Thank you. Have a good right. weekend. Thanks, Carl. See you later. All right. From college football to the contact sport of great American politics, we're talking to the man who wants to fix a lot of problems in the great state of Georgia after the break. Bert Jones. Unrelenting determination. An unapologetic conservative tax-fighting reformer, and an unending believer in the values of faith, family, and freedom. It's no wonder Georgians believe Burt Jones is the best person to lead our state as our next lieutenant governor. Because when it's game time, it's pain time. That's Burt Jones, and he knows a thing or two about contact sports having played college football, so he should be the perfect guy for the most brutal contact sport of all, American politics. Well, he wants to be lieutenant governor of Georgia, and he joins me now. Bert, I, I like that commercial, dude. Uh, appreciate it, Carl. Good evening, and uh, glad to be with you tonight. Yeah, so, uh, look, this is pretty big news. Uh, you know, Donald Trump got out a statement yesterday endorsing you, so you got the MAGA movement behind you. Uh, How does that make you feel? Well, it feels good, obviously. I mean, I, you know, I co-chaired uh, President Trump's uh, campaign in 2016, co-chaired it again in 2020, and uh, have been on the front lines here in Georgia, trying to fight for 
election integrity investigation into the elections of both in November and January of the runoffs that we had here. So, um, you know, I've been in constant touch with him, true, but in uh, and truly honored that uh, that he thinks as well of me to uh, endorse me and give me such a strong endorsement uh, that he's given me. Yeah, so I, I love the campaign. Look, I'm, I'm not. I never. I, I wrestled. I didn't play any of the like the the, the team sports or anything. But one of the things I right. used to love watching until it went woke is I used to love watching football. Here's another snippet from your campaign ad, though. Some Georgians may know Bert as the young man who, despite being told he was too slow and too small, tried out for the University of Georgia football team. Great hustle by Bert Jones. Bert didn't just make Georgia's team as a walk-on. He became one of their captains on one of Georgia's SEC championship teams. Okay, so it's safe to say you were good at football. Talk about the impact plays, though, now in politics you have. Well, it's definitely a contact sport now. I mean, it's, uh, I can tell you, you know, uh, fo- uh, football, collegiate football is, is something I uh, it, it cherish doing. It teaches you a lot about working together and, and being and working as a team for one co- common goal, which is, you know, you should, politics should be a lot like that as well. However, right now in the environment that we're in, it seems that uh, that the uh, the the the, co- the better good, the greater good for society, yeah. has been put aside uh, for uh, special agendas, you know, that are going on, yeah. particularly with the left right now, with so many different things, from trying to indoctrinate our children in the classrooms right now to uh, just having a uh, a free and open border, uh, uh, and you know, on the uh, and uh, on our border lines and everything. And and then you're looking at what's going on in, in Afghanistan right now. It's a total embarrassment. So right yeah, now for the, for the country as a whole. So, so it's, so in order for us to, uh, uh, we're we're going to have to start electing uh, business-minded, conservative-minded people to uh, not just to uh, the state and, and federal offices, but to local offices as well. It needs to start in the school yeah. school board systems as well as the counties and everything else. So, uh, but I, t- I feel a movement coming on right now, I'm going around Georgia right now, talking to so many different uh, voters who are very upset with uh, the direction that the country and the state mm-hmm. is going right now. Uh, we're seeing, I'm seeing a groundswell of people wanting to get engaged and and demanding more out of their elected officials. And and uh, and like I said, I'm, we've gotten a lot of support from around the state yeah. ever since we announced that our, our um, uh, lieutenant governor's race here. So we're looking yeah. forward to it, Carl. Well, we have one more clip I want you to I want to play for the audience here. All right. But if you were to ask Bert Jones, he would tell you the most important role he will ever have is as father to Stella and Banks and husband to his wife, Jan. So one of the most important things that a lot of people always say is your kids are a reflection of you. So tell us a little bit about your family. i got about 30 seconds left. Oh, great, uh, wonderful family. And my wife and I have high school sweethearts. You know, she's my best friend. And, mm-hmm. and we've had, uh, had two wonderful children and uh, who are doing great. They're active uh, kids in all kinds of sports and, and good, doing well in school. And, uh, and yeah, I, I'm proud to see how Right. If they are a reflection of us because they're just the most well-mannered children you ever want to be around. And, and a lot of credit goes to my wife, Jan, for, for, for being the mom that she is. Well, you know what? Families are great, and it says a lot about uh, a man when they can raise uh, some great kids. Bert Jones, we appreciate you joining us, sir. Hey, great to be here. Look forward to seeing you soon. Shout out to my Bulldogs. They do have a big game this weekend <laughs> in Clemson. That'll be a good one. National televised. Go dogs. All right. Well, Joe Biden just got caught lying again, and I can't wait to see who's going to call him out for it. Stick around.
Joe Biden caught lying again. There was a deadly shooting at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, back in October of 2018. And so yesterday, Joe was on a virtual call with religious leaders ahead of the Jewish holidays. And here's what he said. I remember spending time at, uh, you know, uh, go, going to uh, the, uh, you know, the Tree of Life Synagogue, speaking with them. It just, it just is amazing these things are happening. Yep, you heard that. He said he visited the synagogue after the massacre. Well, turns out that's not true. The synagogue executive director spoke to the New York Post yesterday disputing Joe's claim, saying the quote, the synagogue's executive director said that Biden did not visit the synagogue in nearly three years since the anti-Semitic attack. But you know who did in fact visit the Pittsburgh synagogue after the shooting? Former President Trump and First Lady Melania Trump as well. The real patriots, don't you miss a president who stuck his neck out and stuck, the, stuck to his word to hold the truth for the American people? I sure do.